Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. We're a podcast about board games where we have opinions and conclusions formed on the basis of incomplete information. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is brought to you by these great Saskatoon businesses. Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street, Dragon's Den Games on 8th Street, and Breakout Escape Rooms on Faithful Avenue. Well, hello there. How's it going, eh? This is What You've Been Playing Wednesday, and this is a special weekly episode where a bunch of us content creators come together and let you know what we've been playing recently. And on this episode are... Definitely a board game podcast. The Meeple Dungeon. Dice and Dragons. The Tabletop Bellhop. And Cardboard Conjecture. And as always, please take the time to have a look at the show notes to see the links to the What You've Been Playing Wednesday cast. And like I always say, get a snack, get a little drink, sit back and relax. Hey everybody, this is Royce Calverly from Definitely a Board Game Podcast. A podcast definitely about board games, except when it isn't. And we're here on What You've Been Playing Wednesday, a podcast that has been accused of not having enough Canadian content. Alright, so no, probably not. No one's ever really made that accusation. In fact, we're all Canadian content all the time. But we don't talk about Canadian games as often, and maybe that's where we should be picking up the select. We want to talk about more Canadian games. So I thought I would talk about a game... Uh, from a designer out in Nova Scotia. He's out of Dartmouth, Nova Scotia. And the game I want to talk about today is called uh, Night Parade of a Hundred Yokai. That's designed by Lewis Brew of Brew Games. It was published in 2021. So for those of you who don't know, yokai are like Japanese mythological creatures. And this idea that they put on a parade where they go and they go through the streets and they uh, are very... A scary or exciting or helpful, depending on the various yokai and what they do. This is nothing about the parade. It's other than the fact that they're there. This is an area control game where you are attempting to uh, control the various islands. There will be a certain number of islands, depending on the number of players. You're going to put out your pieces. All the pieces are adorable. They're these little wooden creatures. Think, you know, like a root or an Everdell type idea. Only they are these little yokai, so you might have the turtles or the raccoons or the foxes, whatever it might be. And if you have enough of these little creatures on an island, you get to put out a tori or a gate. And the more gates you have, the more points you'll get at the end on your uh, private scoring goals, as well as you score for each island that has been controlled. Each island can only have so many gates, so once a gate is built, you are now need to move and change your... Uh, change your strategy perhaps a little bit the main meat of the game though is actually in the cards because what happens is each card represents a yokai and you start with three cards you start with a water yokai 
a land yokai and an air yokai. And you will be creating rows, and you're going to run a row. So you'll play all the cards in that row, and then you'll switch to the next row, or you'll choose one of the other rows anyway. You can't pick the same row twice in a row. So you're going to have these rows of cards that you're playing, and you're going to use the abilities from the yokai in that row to both put out uh, your area control creatures to build your gates, but you're also going to use it to purchase new yokai. And then you're going to take the new yokai and add them to your existing rows. So every time you get a new yokai, that row becomes more powerful. A row with five yokai is going to activate five times. And then you'll activate a different row. And then you can go back and activate those five again. So choosing where to place those yokai, which yokai to buy, which abilities do you need, uh, choosing which where to go next is a very interesting and a very cool idea. So you're running the, it's like an engine building, you're running your cards, you're putting out your guys, you're taking control of the islands, it's a lot of fun, it's absolutely beautiful, but what makes this really, really, really shine is the factions. So the main game includes four factions, even though they all use the same symbols, they all are basically the same actions, the amount of each action on the starting cards means that the faction plays very very differently so some factions are very combat oriented and will actually push off your control creatures some move around very easily so after you place a control creature out you can move it around to another place uh, some of them are really good at putting people down they actually put down extra people some get big yokai so they build up large spirit power to buy large yokai some build up lots of little yokai so you have long rows of less powerful people and then there's expansions. There's two expansions to this game. And the factions in the expansion are even more interesting and exciting. The Tanuki, the raccoon people, they have a shape-shifting mechanic, which lets you move cards between your rows. Uh, the Kappa have a hidden placement option. So you're putting out twice as many creatures every turn, and some of them can't be attacked, and some of them can. It's just such a really cool thing where every faction plays completely differently. I've only played it two players so far. It's a lot of fun. We've played it quite a few times. Uh, it might have a bit of a limited lifespan with two players, but I can see it will really sing when I finally get to play it with more players. Night Parade of 100 Yokai. Definitely worth checking out. If I had one minor issue, it's that the cards aren't marked with an expansion mark. Lewis, I really appreciate it, but I, you just put a little expansion mark on there so that I can take the expansion cards back out again a little bit easier. If you do a second edition, that would be my only recommendation. Other than that, the production is beautiful. The game is a lot of fun. It takes 20, 30 minute filler. Really nice. You can play multiple times in an evening. Just a great game by a great Canadian designer. So that's Night Parade of 100 Yokai by Lewis Brew, Brew Games 2021. My name is Royce Calverly. This has been definitely a board game podcast on What You've Been Playing Wednesday. You can, if you have any questions, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us at, at board definitely on Twitter, at definitely board on Facebook, or you can email us at definitely board at gmail.com. Thank you very much, and we'll see you next Wednesday. Hello, everybody.
everybody, it's Rob and Anna-Marie from the Meeple Dungeon. Hello! And we are back again recording for the What You've Been Playing Wednesdays podcast, and this week we have one game to talk about. What game is that, Anna-Marie? That game is Catapult Feud, designed by Christian Fosh, art by Damien Mamaliti, and published by Yellow. Yes, the Catapult Feud. So this game is not so much a board game, no. but more of a table <laughs> game. Where, or floor game. Or floor game. But this is... So, okay. What's going on in this game is each of us is uh, is playing as a faction, which is just a bunch of knights and some stones that make up your castle. Yes. And you are literally just using these two catapults to throw rocks at each other from across the table as, yes. as we play, which is pretty hilarious. Um, so you the, the, the factions are not... Unlike the Monty Python, yes. silly, um, holy grail oh. knights that are calling each other names from oh, on top sure. of the battlements. And <laughs> it's awesome. They've got the little minis they have for your general. The one side has the guy with his thumbs in his ears, sticking his hands up and sticking his tongue yeah. out. And the other <laughs> Taunting guy, each other. And the other guy's just looking at the other one, sipping a cup of coffee. Yes. <laughs> and it's, they're so it's, brilliant. Yeah, it's really, really good that way. The art, the cars, every, yeah, that's, that's great. So in this game, you are playing as one of these factions. And how many knights do you have? Six? Yes, yeah, knights. you're a general and you're leading your army. And you th- yeah. yeah, I think you have. So you have, um, you you build your own castle out of a whole bunch of blocks. And you yes. can build your castle however, however you want. Yeah. And you have to follow certain rules for placement of the, the soldiers in your behind your castle. Yeah, so you can have them anywhere on your castle, um, on your battlements, but then... Um, if you're placing them off of your castle, uh, so like on the ground, yeah. they just they give you a little marker that's got two cubes and one cube. It's like two by one, and it just has they have to be at least one unit away from your castle. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's it. So you each. So what you're really doing is you're each at one end of a table from each other, and you're building these castles however you want out of about mm, probably twenty pieces or so of these. Uh, like plastic bricks 16 16 pieces yeah. and you're building your castle however you want and you're placing your soldiers relatively however you want within that castle yep. and you're each equipped with a plastic fully functional catapult yes and you are <laughs> hurling rocks at each other one turn at a time they're the coolest squishiest rubber boulder looking yeah. things that are i don't know i really like whatever whatever they use to make them i liked it yeah they're cool and so you you literally just take turns firing rocks at each other, trying to knock over each other's uh, soldiers. Yeah. So the first one to knock over all the opponent's soldiers wins. Yes. However, you each have a deck of cards. Yes. And in those deck of cards gives you certain powers and certain abilities that you can do on your turn. Yeah. So you can do things like there's one card that lets you shoot twice. like it's, So it's a double fire. And then another one lets you rebuild. So if you've had a whole bunch of your, you know, wall built, uh, knocked down, you can take three of the bricks and build them back. Um, you can be a trader where you can go and take the other, go to the other, uh, your opponent's side of the table and shoot their um, catapult at their own castle. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can steal one of their cards. You can copy an attack that's already been done by their, either your card or theirs. And then you can move your troops so you can move up to like three of your troops right yeah i i found i didn't really like playing with the cards i agree i think this game or whatever you want to call it is (laughs) um 
way better without the cards where you're just straight up taking turns firing the catapults at each other. And you know, I think I think they f- whoever designed whoever designed this, I already said his name, sorry about that. Christian Fosch. I would yes. say that he felt the same way, and I say that because there are lots of uh, once you run out of cards, you don't get them back. Like Right. So Yeah, they're kind of one-time use. And yeah. you only have 6 of them. Yeah. So unless you've played this a ton and you've got like your aim down, you're not going to destroy the other person in like two rounds, right? No. So or it's going to take a little bit more than 6 rounds to to get them out. So it says, you know, you may choose one of the action cards or or not. And I I found that I just had way more fun. Yeah. Just rapid fire. So like and I also found that I didn't need to have because you're each equipped with four of the the boulders. Yep. I liked playing with just one. Yeah. You like, fired over. I'll and... shoot at you. You shoot it back to me. I'll shoot it at yeah, you. Yeah. That way you, you don't sh- lose them. You right? don't lose them. They're not yeah. going all over the place. And yeah. And our kids really love this game. Oh yeah. And they were having a lot of fun with this game. And they liked playing with the cards. But we just liked for whatever one, reason just taking one did, chance. Yeah. And one didn't. So yeah, that's true. <laughs> but we did enjoy just. Hurling one rock back and forth at each other to see who could knock over oh, yeah. the the, uh, the troops the fastest and just yeah. it just seems the most pure and and fair yeah. that way rather than taking my catapult turning it sideways and shooting it at my own castle. Oh, that one was kind of fun because that one was it's deceptive. Yeah, but you have to I actually get really skilled at that because half the time you just shoot it right over top of the you other do. person's yeah. It takes a while to get castle. used to the how far that Absolutely. actually throws. And it depends on how far away you're playing from yeah. each other and what kind of table you're playing on. We were playing about five feet from each yeah, other. Yeah, it's supposed to be one and a half meters or five feet is what yeah. they recommend, probably for the way Which the catapult to work properly. That's pretty close to what we were doing. But I yeah, did. I laid, then, down, I laid down and had our oldest measure me against the table. <laughs> yeah. say, I'm 5'3", so let's take off a few inches. Yeah, we're about five. My feet. <laughs> yeah, but no, it's it's a lot of fun. It's a really lot a lot of fun. I think it would be a great con game, especially a game that you could bring out at the end of a night. Oh man, and you could play like when the when the halls are starting to empty out. It would can... have to be when no other no other games are going on because yeah. if you start shooting these and destroying people's. Oh my gosh, the yeah. meeples on boards! What a devastation! Yeah, you'd want to hold this. Like this would be play a separate in, room in a corner like of a, a dexterity of a gym or room something. or something. Yeah, but it's it's awesome. Definitely want to bring it to our next con and and uh, see if we could bust it out and get some people to watch or whatever. It sounds yeah, like it'd yeah. be a good time. But it was really really good. We got this for our kids for Christmas, and we only just played it over the last week or so. And yeah, both kids really really loved it, and we did too. So yeah, great game. Uh, catapult feud from. Yellow games, but yeah. we got to run, so we will see you next week. Cheers! Check out our podcast. Yeah, check out the podcast. It's, uh, <laughs> the we're going to be dropping dungeon. episode number twenty-seven <laughs> this week. The Meeple Dungeon. See you next week. See ya. What up, gamers? I'm Jason. I'm Julie, and together we're Dice and Dragons. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram at Dice and Dragons, and on Twitter at Dice and Dragon. And what is it today, Julie? It's What You've Been Playing Wednesdays. And no surprise for those of you that listened to our last episode, we are playing the same game that we played last week. It took us almost, uh, well, most of the week to get through uh, 
the game in a little bit more. This is once again our discussion of Uprising Curse of the Last Emperor by Nemesis Games. Now, we did play the game with two players on the last episode, and this time we decided to go for the full epic four-player experience. And that does address some of our concerns with the game, but not all of them. So I'm going to let Julie talk first about how she felt about this four-player, well, I would actually say the player count that the game was designed around play that we had. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and so that's letting the cat out of the bag. Basically, yes, I think I think it's pretty clear that the game was designed for four players. It, as we said last week, it didn't play very well at two week at two players. It doesn't scale down effectively. Uh, it it wasn't bad at four players. I enjoyed it a lot more. Uh, I also had another uh, a fun character. Uh, was her name Raja? Or Ranya, I'm not Aranya, sure how you Aranya, yeah, Raja. Or Ranja, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. In any case, she was more fun uh, to play as well, and it just felt like that we had a better chance of beating um, the hordes and the legions uh, with four players. It just felt a lot more balanced, um, so it was a lot more enjoyable to play. But I'm going to say it right off the bat, though, one thing that really got me was the amount of time it took to play. It seems like uh, playing four players, though more balanced, is just a whole lot longer. It was taking us a little over an hour per round. Yes, and while that took us a while, the first play, our second play went a lot smoother at two players, and I really feel like we could have got the game played in about two hours, provided that things uh, went our way. Uh, looking around at Board Game Geek and seeing some comments, one thing I will have to agree is that Despite the fact that the dice are punishing, at four players, they do seem to balance out and become more even because some players may do a lot better than others. Sometimes you'll just have, you know, bad roll your way, bad roll the horde's way. But because there are more forces overall on the map, you're able to recover a lot easier, at least when you're making, like, you know, what's potentially a strategic blunder if you fail. Or it's your only option because otherwise they're going to assault your haven and you don't really have good defenses. Yeah, so I mean, I mean, I had I had a couple of those uh, with my player where I went in with five pretty strong uh, fighters and got completely annihilated. But then again, took them down to almost uh, almost gone and, you know, you were able to come up behind me and clean up. And, and you were vice able to... Versa. Yes. So that worked out a lot better. Also, I don't know the name of the faction. Your blue faction just kind of ran away with the game and didn't really face all that much adversity. You were rolling like a beast. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know why. I mean, it would just turn out that I would roll like a beast with the blue, but then just not with my orange faction. So, I mean, that's just part of the game. And it's definitely, you know, it's 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 not always fun. The game, as, as you said, the, the combat. The, the But the combat is a lot more fun at four players than it is at two. Uh, it's just totally discouraging at two. Just not fun. Um, well, I wouldn't say totally discouraging at two. Well, but it was for me. That's I, how I felt. Let me, let me finish. I that's how I felt. Yes, but that was also in our second play where nothing was going our way. I was going to say it will not feel totally discouraging if you start off with some great rolls at the start of each of the first two chapters and you can get rolling. That being said, I do agree with you. Discouraging rolls early on will make the game seem pretty pointless and futile at two players. So I'm not contradicting you. I just felt like two players wasn't... It felt like I was trying to, you know, eat an elephant with a toothpick. Well, that's essentially what it is. If you don't get that roll, 
are able to get that big piece of elephant on that toothpick, it's just not going to go your way necessarily. But the game is still randomness all over the place. Randomness in terms of the board setup, in terms of the items, in terms of how the quests come out, in terms of the druids you're going to get, in terms of the dice rolls, and there isn't a ton of mitigation. Now your character, uh, Ranja, had a lot of interesting combat mitigation stuff, and I really feel that she would have shined a lot more than other characters that we had picked at two players, surprisingly enough. So that's one of the things that I find is potentially maybe a little bit unbalanced when we're talking about scaling. Some characters may do better at lower player counts than others and vice versa. Other characters just being a lot stronger. Yeah, so we had some more positive things to say and I'd suggest that you uh, check out our review that's going to come out the day after this uh, because there's a little bit more balancing. Uh, I think we have we had a little bit more to say. We spent a little bit more time talking about it. I'm going to say, I think for the last thing I have to say about this is I can definitely see how some people uh, would enjoy playing this game and it would be right up their alley. Um, if you like big epic games, you don't mind playing for three, four, four and a half hours at a game night or whenever. Um, I think you could enjoy this. I just think where we are in our gameplay lifestyle right now, we just don't have the time for this kind of epic long game that's going to be so totally random. Yes, and it's not necessarily so totally random, but there's too much randomness for us to enjoy it. I think it just it goes over what we're comfortable at in terms of how uh, in terms of the games that we play. And I do love the table presence. I love the board. The art is great. And this four-player play definitely improved the way that we scored it, which you'll be able to hear about in our review. But also playing this with four players really solidified to me that this game is a table hog and not in a good way. In terms of the main board itself, it's fine with the sideboards and everything else. It cluttered up our whole game table and we're using the leaflet so we actually have extra surface space to play on. And it was kind of overflowing. So keep that in mind. Now we're only using one half of the table so at four players it probably would have been okay. But as we're pointing out, it's still pretty rough in terms of table space. So on that note, Jason. We're going to remind everyone to keep, keep playing, playing games. games. Hello and welcome to the Tabletop Bellhop segment of What You've Been Playing Wednesday. I am Mo Tuzano, the Tabletop Bellhop, your cardboard concierge, answering your gaming and game night questions and striving to make everyone's gaming experience better. If you've got a gaming or game night question for me, send it to questions at tabletopbellhop.com, visit our webpage and click on Ask the Bellhop, or hit me up on social media where I can be found everywhere as Tabletop Bellhop, one word. Now the question I'm answering today is, what you've been playing this past week? So this past weekend was my youngest daughter's 12th birthday, and due to that we played quite a few larger party games, starting with Hues and Cues from The Op. Now this is a dead simple to learn game for up to 10 players, where one player is given a card with four colors on it, they pick one of them and then give a one word cue to the other players. The other players then place a pawn onto a huge grid of colors that is the main board. After the first guess, the cue giver gives a two word cue and everyone places a second pawn. 
Finally, a small 3x3 frame is placed onto the board surrounding the correct colors, and players get points for where their pawns are in relation to the frame. One point for being next to it, two for being inside it, and three for being right on the proper color, with the player giving the cues getting one point for every pawn inside the frame for a max of nine points. Now we played this both five and six players over the last weekend, and it's just as simple as it sounds and quite fun. Though I've got to say, trying to come up with good cues is way harder than you would think. What I'm really looking forward to is trying this with a max player count of 10. I think it's going to really shine with more players. What I'm not really interested in, though, is playing with less than four. I think I would try four, but I wouldn't go lower than that. Next up, I introduced Telestrations to the kids, and wow, did they love it. Now, I've owned the standard version for years, but recently got a copy of the 12-player party pack from the op. Thanks, the op. And despite being basically the same game, the 12-player version is improved in many ways. More books with more pages, of course, but it also comes with better, thinner markers and 300 new cards that aren't in the original. Now, if you are thinking of picking up Telestrations, if you don't already have it, or if you have the 8-player version, I do recommend getting the 12-player party pack, either as your starting or to upgrade your original 8-player. Note, you can't actually combine the two unless you give everyone multiple books. Like, it's not like it lets you play 20 players or anything, because the number of players is the number of pages in the books. I made that mistake in my unboxing. I was thinking, I could combine the two. No, you can't combine the two. But still, 12 players is plenty. Now, similar to Hughes and Cues, we played both five and six players, and I gotta say the game is significantly improved with six. With only five players, you end up with only two drawings and two guesses per book. While it works, there's just less chance of things going off the rails, and that's the whole fun of Telestrations is seeing just where things go, just like the telephone game it's based on. Now, along with Telestrations, we also checked out a brand new expansion, the 80s and 90s pack. If you were a child of the 80s or 90s, or probably even the 70s, and you're a Telestrations fan, you're going to want to pick up this small card pack expansion. This pack contains 600 new words, with 80s words on one side and 90s on the other. Now, the only problem with this pack is that it didn't go so great with my kids, which honestly is somewhat expected. While they did recognize a few of the references and songs, there were plenty that they had no clue what they were. Now, I actually thought it wouldn't be a problem because, well, anyone can draw a little birdhouse in your soul, even if you don't know the song uh, by They Might Be Giants. But no one who doesn't know what's what it is is going to have any idea how to draw you 2 or, say, Air Jordan. So it didn't go over as well as we wanted with the kids. So we did use the new cards for our first couple of games, but then swapped back to just using the standard ones and put the 80s, 90s cards away for the next time we have a group of adults to use them with. Now, the final game we played with the kids was Rumble in the Dungeon, a super quick filler hidden role game where you have a bunch of rooms in a dungeon, a character in each room, and it's a battle until only one is left standing. Once there's only one standee left, players reveal who they were and get points for how long they lasted for their best character out of two. Now, this is a cute game that I think is great for killing time, but personally, I don't find it has enough to keep me interested for more than a game or two, but my kids love it and have their own set of house rules and play two-player. They, they are actually kind of obsessed with this game, so we played one round of that before the kids went to bed. Now, in addition to birthday gaming with the girls, we also played game two and three of Charter Zone, 
And if you remember from last time I was talking about this, our worries about Deanna not opening a crate in the first game are long gone. Now, game two was more enjoyable than the first and felt a little less fumbling. Uh, we added a lot more sticker to the board, so had more options. And in the end, Tori pissed off the king and we moved on to game three. Now, in game three, it felt like we opened everything. We opened all the crates. At least that's what it felt like. So many new things were added to the game that it honestly became overwhelming. Like we started game two with only four cards in the market that you can buy cards from, and no deck, like we couldn't put new ones out. By the end of game three, we must have had a 60-card deck with all kinds of new things we could purchase. We added at least six new rule cards stickers to the books, and the game kind of blew up on us. Now, I do have to say what a lot of we unlocked, a lot of the stuff we unlocked, didn't actually come into play in game three because it just got put into the deck and it didn't come, actually come up. So we heard all these new rules, but didn't get to actually see the new stuff. Plus, we also had a bunch of stuff that went into our boxes. Um, it'll be interesting to see the impact of this once we sit down to game four, which will hopefully be happening this Friday. Now, the last game we played this week was a four-player game of Garento. This is from Grand Gamers Guild. Now, this is one we did a preview for, and we played with the prototype way back when it was on Kickstarter, and I'm, it blew us away at the time. And now that I have the production copy, I still love this game, and it just has much cooler components. Now, Garinto is an abstract tile-placing and taking set collection game that I think is brilliant. Tiles come in five types, and the type of tile tells you how you get to take tiles from the board. The number of that tile you've already collected tells you how many tiles you take. As for what you're trying to collect these for, that's based on randomized scoring cards that change each game. This was the first time my oldest daughter played, as well as my mother-in-law's first game, and they both enjoyed it. Uh, Garinto is honestly a fantastic game, and it's one we should be breaking out more often. What I still haven't done yet is gotten to play it with five players. I tried to convince my youngest daughter to join in to get us to five, but it didn't happen. But that's something I definitely want to try in the future, is the five-player version of Garinto. Well, that's it for the games I've been playing. I look forward to listening to what the other contributors have to share this week. And before I go, a reminder, visit TabletopBellhop.com. Join us Wednesdays on Twitch at Twitch. Dot tv slash tabletop bellhop that's at 9 p.m eastern where we record the tabletop bellhop gaming podcast which you can find on your podcatcher of choice if you can't join us live for the tabletop bellhop gaming podcast i am mo Tuzano, the tabletop bellhop good day and game on <laughs> Hey there, it's Norm from the Cardboard Conjecture Podcast and Bridge City Board Gamers here in Saskatoon. And uh, let's take a look to see what the community has been playing. Uh, let's start off with Sean. Uh, played Hive, great little two-player game. Uh, I've seen that game a lot. I've never played it. Uh, I understand it's a really cool abstract game. And uh, I'm, you know what? I'm going to have to pay some attention to this. I'm going to go check this out afterwards. So thanks, Sean. Little bugs. You know what? That's why I like winter camping. No bugs. Uh, Jonathan, Pax Pamir, Furnace, Terraforming Mars. Uh, Pax Pamir, I have the, the little 4x4. Four four, I think it's the second edition uh, Pax Pamir before uh, 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 Whirly Games put out their 
illustrious, beautiful um, uh, version. But uh, yeah, wow, this is a really thinky game. If you like your brain crunchers uh, and the, uh, how shall we say, variable end game condition games, because that thing can fly around like nobody's business. Furnace, I understand Furnace is a really cool game. I haven't played it yet. A lot of people that I trust their opinions have played it and say they really like it. And Terraforming Mars, probably one of the go-to engine builders for a lot of people. Awesome. Eli, Under Falling Skies, and a couple of games of Marvel United against some Sinister Six villains. Uh, Under Falling Skies, solo game. Let's just say it's Space Invaders, the board game with dice. And uh, it's awesome. I love it. I have it. It's fun. Um, Marvel United not played it, and um, so yeah, but I love my Marvel, so right on. Uh, let's see who's next. Ryan! Uh, Ryan's been playing some Boone Lake, uh, some Monopoly Gamer Mario Kart. I think he's been playing that with his kids. And Fantasy Realms. Uh, Boone Lake, yeah, that's the new Alexander Pfister. Uh, I've been getting a lot of games of that in because I think I'm going to review it uh, coming up here. So. Uh, if you like Alexander Pfister and you're ready for uh, a, a thicker, <laughs> don't want to use the word heavy, thicker, a thicker game, um, uh, it is one to enjoy. And uh, if you like the card, uh, the card play in Maracaibo, then you'll you'll like the card play here too. So right on, Hans, Wingspan, Villagers, Vivid Memories. Lorenzo two, or sorry, Lorenzo Il Magnifico, uh, Masters of Renaissance, Bruges, Bonfire, Castles of Burgundy, <gasps> Dune Imperium. Okay, there we go. Uh, Wingspan, uh, another fantastic engine builder with a beautiful theme and artwork. Beth Sobel's artwork is is uh, Audubon Society level. Uh, villagers. Uh, not, I've not played it, heard a lot about it. Uh, vivid Memories, I don't, I've not, I don't think, uh, that must be a new one. Um, Lorenzo, ah, that's an awesome game. Uh, Bruges, yay. Stefan Feld, right on. Um, uh, the Queen's Game version, I, I don't know when that's coming out, but it was that Kickstarter. I think it's getting close to being delivered, maybe. Uh, maybe there's people yelling at me right now going, Dad, quit talking about it. I'm not happy. Um, bonfire, yeah. Yeah, I have that one sitting on my shelf and it's looking at me because I haven't played it yet. Uh, let's move on. Uh, Louis, Blood Rage, Unmatched, Brass, So Clover, Rhino Hero, Super Battle, Cartographers, Land versus Sea, uh, Awkward Guests. Wow. Wow, that's a that's a all over the place lineup. Blood Rage, uh, Come On Games, um, yeah, Eric Lang. <laughs> that, that was I think that's the first in his the trilogy, right? There was Blood Rage, there was uh, uh, um, Rising Sun, I think, and then uh, Ankh. And uh, so yeah, those are all great games. Rhino Hero, that's a fun game to play with your family. And uh, Land versus Sea, I don't know that one. And Awkward Guests, I've seen it a lot. I haven't played it, but uh, cool. Lane, played some Blood Rage and Unmatched. Well, I guess I see who's been playing games with who here. Um, uh, and uh, Unmatched, yeah, that's so fun. That's just like a, a crazy character versus crazy character. 
and they have sidekicks. And it's basically a battle to see who can exhaust the other one first. It's so much fun. Uh, New York Zoo, apparently he played that a ton of times. And yay, that's uh, Uwe Rosenberg and the polyomino tiles uh, adaptation of, of, uh, of patchwork. Uh, Sagrada, yay. And then if you like Sagrada with a fantasy D&D theme, then we're talking role player. Evolution, or evolution, a eight-minute tiny something or other. <laughs> yeah, okay, cool. Uh, keep going here. Jeff, Boone Lake, Everdale, that time you killed me, and Furnace. Right on, right on. Boone Lake, once again, yeah, that's a, that's a fantastic game. Everdale, I've always wanted to try Everdale. I have not tried it yet. It looks beautiful, and a lot of people um, uh, 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 I like it a lot. And these are the same people that like the same games as me. So right on. Jason, um, just Cribbage and Castles of Burgundy this week. And uh, Cribbage, yeah. I remember, I remember playing Cribbage in elementary school. One of my, uh, one of my close friends taught it to me. And um, yeah, once, once, you, once you get that counting pattern in your head, um, what a fantastic game. But if someone uh, says, hey, you want to play a game where you can steal points? Say no, because <laughs> you might not get past 10 points. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Uh, Brian, unsettled, Gracchus, and learning too many bones. Too many bones, that's chip theory games, I believe. And uh, they have, oh, they use, I believe, their thing is to use uh, nice big poker chips. And uh, I have Hoklamachus, and, and the tactileness of, of their games is so good, so uh, too Many Bones, that is a large, large game for order. So, yeah, let's hear some, let's hear back on this there, Brian. Tony, uh, Rolling Realms, first time, surprisingly good. Cool. That's the, uh, uh, that's the uh, Stonemeyer Games roll and write version of their library of games. Uh, Rebecca played Azul. Awesome. And uh, Marianne played Airship City. That looks like a very cool game. Uh, a tile, looks like there's kind of a action placement or worker placement thing, little tracks. Nice, nice. I've not heard um, anything about that. I'll have to look at that. Drake, recently, recently played some Horizon Zero Dawn, the board game, Dead of Winter and Betrayal at House on the Hill. Cool. Uh, I've not played any of those. Dead of Winter, uh, I've not played, but I'm. I, I will. I will take the chance. I will take the chance. There's no chance. That sounds like a fun game. I'd love to play Betrayal. <laughs> I've uh, the Betrayal series. Yeah, I want to play some of that. Uh, John Sentinels of the Multiverse. Cool. Yeah, that's a uh, uh, kind of Marvel Champions before Marvel Champions. Definitive Edition uh, times two. National Pro Hockey. Ah, that is like that. I think that's like the the statomatic or strat or that old uh, um, uh, um, database game. Uh, but yay, hockey, cool. And then Sentinels of Earth Prime played that one a lot. So yeah, I see Sentinels of the Multiverse. I've never played it. Wanted to play it, and then Marvel Champions came out, and everybody says that uh, it's less fiddlier than Sentinels, but. I mean, 
Gloomhaven's super fiddly, and I love that game, so that uh, that's not even an issue for me. So right on. That is a lot of very cool games. So thank you very much, uh, Bridge City Board Gamers community. Well, the stuff that I've been playing lately is, uh, as mentioned, uh, Boon Lake by uh, Alexander Pfister and uh, published by Capstone Games. And uh, Capstone Games, uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm realizing that most of the games that I'm playing lately come from your publishing house. So uh, I don't know if it's, uh, if it's like me getting hooked on uh, Tim Hortons or, <laughs> or that uh, you guys are just knocking it out game after game and kudos on your, if we're going to use the uh, baseball metaphor, cools on your, uh, your, uh, your scouts. Very good. Very good uh, feet on the ground looking for those fantastic European games to bring over. Um, so Boone Lake is uh, uh, an amalgamation to me so far in my head of some of the Alexander Pfister mechanisms that I really like. Uh, one of them being the, the uh, I would say, the, the progress track or, or game flow track, and I'm referring to the boat going down the river. And, and, and basically there's two loops. There's a short loop and then you come back to the top and then there's a long run all the way to the bottom of the board. That's very similar to Maracaibo, very similar to Great Western Trail. Uh, uh, I own, love Great Western Trail. Maracaibo, yeah, I'm going to have to get that one. But uh, I've played that one a couple times, uh, about two, three times. And uh, yeah, yeah, it, it's fantastic. Um, the, uh, and then the second thing I like is the card play, which is very Kaibo ish and, uh, uh, Newdale has a lot of that kind of use. And I mean, you can go backwards and all my goods and that whole thing, but, uh, the, the, the cards that, uh, are in, uh, Alexander Fister's system, ah, fantastic, fantastic how they work together. Um, and, uh. The, and as I said before, the one the one hurdle, at least for me, because it's always my subject, you know, I look at things differently. But at least for me, it took me a little bit to get my brain to access that recall of how Alexander Pfister uses his icons and the the kind of interpretation of the basically I had to I had to brush off the Alexander Pfister icon language and uh, get it back into my working memory. And uh, so far, uh, yeah, I've, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna play it a couple more times because I think I wanna review this because um, I just, every time I finish playing, I just think to myself, oh, what, what if I would've got this card out before this time and, and what I, should I have taken, invested in this strategy a little bit more? Because uh, when I played it at four player, it just turned into such a different game than the, than the solo play because the solo play you're going against a very uh, aggressive um, uh, AI. And uh, sometimes it's, it's a very good simulation. Sometimes it is uh, illogical in its, its you know, system. But as far as its system goes, it's a really good system comparatively to a lot of the other solo games. So, uh, and I think... Uh, uh, Alexander Pfister developed his own solo version. So right on. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, the next one I quickly want to touch on because, I mean, 
uh, if I talked more than, than a minute on this game, then I'd, I'm probably like on a tangent. And that is Strike by Ravensburger. And uh, I, I don't have the, the author in front of me, but basically the big controversy is, uh, is Strike a gladiator in an arena game or dice in a bowl? And uh, I mean, whatever, you don't even have to define that. It's fun. And what's uh, what I, the where I've been playing that a lot is in the morning before Daniel gets on his bus. We'll uh, then that's a good motivation to get him. Is a hurry up, get finish eating, and get yourself ready so we can play some some strike before the bus comes. And uh, yeah, you have a handful of dice. There's a dice in the bowl with numbers with you know pips showing. And uh, if you roll a one or an X, that dice is out of the game. And if you roll uh, matches, like doubles, then you get to pull the doubles and replenish your dice and basically try not to exhaust your dice because the last champion standing wins. Yeah, <laughs> it's fun. It is, you try to like do little trick shots and bounce the dice and move them around. And it's, it's basically um, uh, amusing randomness. And uh, we, we just, I think our goal is just to have fun and have some giggles, and it does such a good job at that. And uh, it's such an inclusive game too, because there's not there's not much uh, the uh, lesson <laughs> there's not much teaching going on. You just see it and go, oh, got it, let's go. So yeah, uh, last one I want to talk about is Viscounts of the West Kingdom, uh, Shem Phillips and uh, Garfield Games, uh, the third in the trilogy, and. Uh, I, uh, I'm liking it. I'm liking it. Now I've heard like the solo play is really cool. The solo play is, uh, is, is challenging. It's a very cool puzzle. It's a very, uh, fun way to find different routes to, uh, uh, six, you know, victory point success. I have not played it with more than, <laughs> with more than the solo. And, uh, I want to see if, if it does the same thing as Boone Lake did, which is turn it into a different game. Um, so yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't want to talk too much more about Viscounts because I think I want to play. I mean, I think I know I want to play it some more. I've got a lot of, a lot of other games looking at me like Praga Kaput Regni, which we're going to be playing at Gamers Garage tonight. And, uh, I'll have some of that to talk about next week. So we're getting to that time where, um, I always want to say thank you so much for listening to what we have to say. Uh, even though what we have to say isn't really worth saying. No, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, it was just a funny little alliteration. And if you're basically listening this long, then, uh, you know, I'll apologize. Uh, sorry for that. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, thank you so much for listening. And thank you always. Huge, huge thank you for the, uh, the foundation contributors to What You've Been Playing Wednesday. This can't happen without you, so thank you so, so much. And uh, with that being said, keep your stick on the ice and take care out there, eh? (laughs) 